Hi there. Welcome to part two of our three-part story of the Japanese creation myth. Before you begin with this episode, check out the first part in the last one. For there, we discussed the creation of the heaven and the earth, the formation of the gods, and the birth of all the gods of nature by the deities Izanagi and Izanami. After many of the gods were born of Izanagi and Izanami, the latter was injured giving birth to the fire god Kagusuchi. In despair, Izanagi went to the halls of hell to take Izanami back with him, but was unsuccessful. Our story ended last week when Izanagi, after having created the world, entrusted it to the deities of Sun, Moon, and Sosanawano and retired on the island of Ahaji, living a secluded and a hermit life. The story for this episode begins after Izanagi entrusted his children with the rule of the world. Amaterasu, the sun goddess, was given the rule of heaven, with Tsukiyomi, the moon god, to be her consort and rule alongside her. Sosanawano, after refusing to rule over the earth created by his father, Izanagi, chose to lord over the Netherlands, alongside his mother, Izanami, who is now known as Yamotu Opukami, the goddess of death. While in heaven, Amaterasu, the sun goddess, once asked her consort, Tsukiyomi, to visit the central country, where dwelt the deity Yokimochi, who was the goddess who protects food. Tsukiyomi thus descended to earth and went to the place where Yukemochi dwelt. Yukemochi, upon perceiving the arrival of Tsukiyomi, decided to throw a banquet for him. She thus turned her head towards the land, and from her mouth there came boiled rice. She then faced the sea, and again there came from her mouth fish, crab, and other exotic sea dwellers. She faced the mountains, and again there came from her mouth things of rough hair and things of soft hair. All these things were laid down in a grand feast of a hundred tables. When Tsukiyomi came to visit her, he, however, was not impressed. He became flushed with anger and said, Filthy! Nasty! How dare you feed me with things disgorged from your mouth! In his great anger, he drew his sword and slew Yokimochi. Upon hearing this, Amaterasu was distraught and exceedingly angry. Pointing at Tsukiyomi, she said, You are a wicked deity. I shall not see your face ever again. Thus, they were separated and dwelt apart. This is why the sun shines during the day and the moon only comes out at night. Now to make amends to Yukemochi, Amaterasu sent forth Amekumabito, the goddess of food, to check on her. Amekumabito went to the central country only to find that Ukemochi was indeed dead. However, on the crown of the dead goddess's head, 
there had been produced the ox and the horse. On the top of her forehead, there had been produced millet, and over her eyebrows, there was produced silkworm. In her belly, there was rice, and in her genitals, there were wheat and beans. Amekumabito carried all these things and delivered them to Amaterasu. Upon receiving these items, Amaterasu rejoiced and said, These are the things which the visible race of men will eat and live. So she made the millet, the wheat and the beans the seed for the dry fields, and the wheat the seed for the water fields. Appointing a Muragimi or a village chief for heaven, she sowed for the first time the right seeds in the narrow and the long fields of heaven. That autumn, when the crops produced food, the sight was extremely pleasant to look upon, with proud rice fields. Amaterasu then took the silkworm in her mouth and succeeded in reeling a thread from them. From this began the art of silkworm rearing. While Amaterasu worked on bestowing gifts of farming to the race of mortal men, Sosano Ono wished for a short time to go to heaven to meet with his elder sister, Amaterasu, after which he claimed he would go away to hell and rightly take his place next to his mother. Amaterasu, aware from the beginning of the fierce and relentless purpose of Sosano Ono, said to herself, when he ascended to heaven. The coming of my younger brother is not a good sign. He surely means to rob me of my kingdom of heaven. So she made a warlike preparation to receive him, adorning her ten-span sword, a nine-span sword, and an eight-span sword. Moreover, on her back she slung a quiver, and on her forearm, a dreaded loud-sounding elbow pad. Thus, taking her bow and hooking an arrow, she went forth to meet Sosanowano in person and stood in a mighty stance. The sun goddess stood opposite to Sosanowano, separated from him by the tranquil river of heaven. When Sosanowano saw her stopping him in his path, adorned in her warlike costume, he declared, I do not have any evil intentions in coming here. All I wished was to see you, my dear sister, before I am to go to the netherworld. Amaterasu pondered upon the statement of Susanawano and asked, What proof do you have to support your claims? Susanawano thought for a while and suggested, Let us both bind ourselves with an oath. We both show our intentions by creating deities while we are bound by this oath. If the deities produced are females, let it be judged that my heart is black. But if they are males, then I shall be absolved of the supposed charge. Amaterasu thought upon this and agreed to Sosanovano's terms. Afterward, they both proceeded to dig three wells of heaven and stood opposite to one another. Then Amaterasu spoke to Sosanawano and said, 
I am now about to give you the three swords that are in my girdle. In return, you are to give me the curved jewel of Yasaka gem that you have. Then, Amaterasu took the jewels of Yasaka gems that were given to her by Sosano Wano and washed them in the heavenly wells. Then she bit into the head, the middle and the bottom of the jewel and exhaled, blowing away the dust. From amidst her breath, three deities were produced and all were females. Then, Sosana Wano took the three swords given to him by Amaterasu and bit them off and blew them away after having made them float in the wells of heaven. There were five male deities produced. Thus, having proven his honest intentions, Sosano Wano was permitted to reside in the heavenly realm for as long as he pleased. Over time, however, his behavior began to be exceedingly rude and unpredictable. Once, Sosana Wano let loose horses trample and stampede upon the heavenly narrow and long rice fields. Another such wanton act of his occurred during the Feast of First Fruits, a harvest festival where he surreptitiously placed his excrement in the new palace. Amaterasu had been benevolent and forgiving of his brother's acts, knowing him to be both unpredictable and a mischief-maker. One day, however, Sosana Wano crossed all limits. Amaterasu was in her sacred weaving hall, engaged in weaving garments for the deities. Sosana Wano, being his troublesome self, flayed a horse and flung it into the weaving hall, having broken a hole through the roof. Startled by the sudden interruption to her meditative weaving, Amaterasu wounded herself on the shuttle of the weaving loom. Vexed by the mishap and Sosana Wano's latest escapade, Amaterasu strode straight into the rock cave of heaven, fastened the door, and sealed herself in dwelling in seclusion. Thus, the sun goddess, having self-exiled herself, plunged the world into eternal darkness. Darkness that caused misery and woe, raining havoc to all of God's creation. This greatly disturbed the other deities, who met on the bank of the tranquil river of heaven to discuss how to best supplicate the ruler of the heaven. After much deliberations and deep thought, Omohi Kane, the god of wisdom and intelligence, with profound craft, devised a plan. First, he gathered the melodious song-singing birds of the eternal land and made them sing their most beautiful and boisterous songs. Then, he placed the god of strength, Tajikarawo, beside the rock door. Finally, he asked Ameno Koyane and Futodama to place a 500-branched sacred tree dug up from Mount Kagu. On the tree's upper branches, the deities hung a string of 500 divine Yasaka jewels. On the middle branches, they hung splendid mirrors. 
and on the lower branches they hung beautiful blue and white offerings, all to appease the goddess. As the deities gathered in front of the cave, Amena Uzume, the goddess of mirth and revelry, began a merry dance, tearing off her clothes and stomping on the ground. Pleasantly surprised and finding her dancing comical, the deities laughed heartily at the sight. Hearing the laughter and commotion outside, Amaterasu wondered, Since I have shut myself in this cave, plunging the world in complete darkness, why is Ameno Uzume so jolly? Why does she dance and other deities find mirth in these dark times? Thus, her interest peaked, and she opened a narrow space in the rock door, holding the door ajar and peeked out. The moment she did so, Tajikara, the god of strength, held her by hand and led her out, while gods Koyane and Futodama drew a line around her with a rope. Having thus taken her out of the cave, all the deities then begged the sun goddess to not to return back and to let the world bask in her life. Blaming Sosanowono for the self-exile of Amaterasu, the gods then imposed upon him a fine of an offering of a thousand tables feast whilst also forcing him to go bald. Calling him impure, they also performed the great purification liturgy on him making him recite it, while also forcing him to cut his nails, blaming them as the source of all ill luck and calamity. This is why people are careful in the disposal of their own nails. Finally, the deity said to Sosanawano, Your conduct has been improper for a god of heaven. You are therefore banished from our realm nor must you reside upon earth. You must speedily go back to the nether world. Thus, together, the gods drove Sosanawano out from the heavenly realm. Now when Sosanawano was being driven out, it was the time of continuous rains. Finding no respite from the downpour, Sosanawano bound some green grass and improvised a broad hat and a raincoat, and in this garb asked a lodging from the assembled gods as a shelter from the continuous torrential rains. The gods, however, were stern and unmoved, and wanted to make an example out of Sosanowano to prevent other gods from behaving in the same way, and so they said, Your behavior has been filthy and wicked. You are banished. How dare you ask us of a lodging? Be gone from our realm and find shelter in your netherworld. Thus, although there was torrential rains and violent winds, Sosanowano was unable to find a resting place and went downwards from heaven, suffering bitterly. Ever since then, all the people in the world have avoided entering the house of another wearing a broad hat and a grass raincoat, or bearing a bundle of grass on the back.
Vedas, having spent time in suffering and hardships, weathering inclement weather and innumerable obstacles, Sosanavana finally mended his ways. He then said, All the gods have banished me, and I am now to depart from heaven forever. Why should I not meet my sister one last time before I am gone for good? Thus, Sosanavana went to seek an audience with Amaterasu once again, for the last time. Having been made aware of Sosanovano's plans, Amaterasu once again doubted her brother's sincerity and faced him just like before on the banks of the tranquil river of heaven. Having proven that his intentions are pure again, Sosanovano spoke. The reason why I came up a second time was that, having been condemned by the assembled gods to banishment to the nether world, and being about to just undertake my departure, I could not bear to become separated from my elder sister without having seen her face to face. Therefore, it is truly with a pure heart, and not otherwise that I have come up again. Now that our meeting is over, I must return hence forever to the nether world, according to the divine ruling of the assembled deities. I pray that you, my sister, the sun goddess, may illuminate the land of heaven and earth, and that it may enjoy tranquility. Having said so, he thus departed the realm of heaven and journeyed downwards. Then Sosanovano descended from heaven and came upon earth as he proceeded to the nether world. As he was making his way across the earth, he happened to cross the river He in the province of Izumo. Here, as he passed by, he heard a sound of weeping. Having piqued his curiosity, he went in search for the sound. He found there an old couple. Between them was a young girl, whom they were caressing and lamenting over. Intrigued, he went over and asked them, Who are you, and why do you lament thus? The answer from the old couple was thus, We are earthly deities, being pursued by a monstrous eight-faced hydra. We have conceived eight children, all of whom were devoured by the serpent. Now, my wife has birthed a young girl again, and we, Lament the loss that is to come to us. Having heard their terrible tale and finding compassion in his heart, Sosanevano instructed the deities thus, You must take fruits of all kinds and brew them in eight jars of sake. I will stay with you till the time comes for the serpent to come to devour your child and will slay the creature. The couple, under his instructions, prepared the sake. Then one day, the serpent indeed came to the door and was about to devour the beautiful young girl. But before the eight-faced hydra could go towards the girl, Sosanevano stepped up and addressed the serpent. You are truly a frightening deity. Please 
Allow me to provide you with a feast as a mark of respect before you devour this poor child. Saying this, he poured the eight jars of sake into each of the serpent's mouths. The serpent drank it heartily and fell into a deep slumber. Whereupon, Sosanobono drew his sword and slew it. Splitting the serpent open, the god of the netherworld found that inside it was a sword. Sosanobono then said, This is a divine sword. I shall not claim it. He then sent the sword to heaven. The husband and wife earth deities, thus having been spared from witnessing the death of their little daughter, offered the child to the god. When the child came of age, she became a lady of exceeding beauty. Sosanewono took her as his wife and went in search of a place where he might celebrate his marriage. He finally came to the land of Suga in the province of Izumo. Then he said, In this beautiful and verdant land, my heart feels refreshed. Therefore, in the land of Suga, he built his palace. It is here that he spent his days and nights in the loving care of his wife. As time flew by, their household grew and prospered, with children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. It is in this illustrious line of deities that Ahona Muchi, a hero of many tales, was born. Thus, having finished his part in the tale of creating the world, and leaving behind a flourishing line of descendants, Sosanowano finally retired to the netherworld, a happy and content man. Our story now continues with the tale of Ahonamuchi, who is the sixth generation descendant of Sosanowano. Not much is known about Ahonamuchi's early life, and so our story begins when he along with 80 other deities, all his brothers were suitors seeking the hand of the beautiful princess Yakami of Inaba in marriage. They were all on their way to court her, and Ahonamochi was delegated to the lowly task of a baggage handler. Along the way, they crossed over from their home country of Izuma and into the neighboring country of Inaba. Here, they encountered a poor little rabbit, flayed and raw-skinned, lying in agony upon the seashore. The group, being curious, asked the rabbit what happened. To this, the rabbit replied, I came from the island of Oki across the sea. To cross the water, I came up with an ingenious plan. I, through my cunning, was able to trick the crocodiles into helping me. In my cunning, I challenged the crocodiles to a contest to decide which of the two species had outnumbered the other. To settle the bet, I told the crocodiles that I would need to count their numbers. Thus, I instructed them to line up from one shore to the other, 
and I hopped on top of them to count their numbers. But before I completed the trip, I boasted to the crocodiles about how I tricked them. The last crocodile in line grabbed, bit and injured me. The earth deities, having listened to the story and being of cruel heart, found no sympathy with the rabbit. They, for their own amusement, instructed the hare to wash in the salty sea. The hare, having listened to the deities, found himself in immeasurable pain. It was then that Ahonamuchi walked past the hare. Being of a gentle heart, he sympathized with the animal and instructed the hare to go to the mouth of a freshwater river and wash off the salt. Then he asked the hare to make a balm from the nearby plants and apply it to soothe his wounds. The hare, finding relief and peace at last, blessed Ahonamuchi with a divine prediction that he shall be the one to win the heart of Princess Yakami. Though you bear the back, the hare said, you shall win the heart of the beautiful princess. Upon reaching Inaba, the eighty deities spent all their energy and effort in trying to woo the princess. It was Ahonamuchi, however, as the hare had foretold, who the princess chose as her mate. I will not listen to you, the princess told the eighty deities, for I mean to marry Ahonamuchi. This enraged the eighty deities, who all thought of themselves as a better suitor than their brother. Wishing to slay Ahonamuchi, the deities instructed him, on the penalty of death, to chase and subjugate a red boar, which in fact was a boulder of red-hot magma. Ahonamuchi, thus, in his attempt to capture the boulder, was badly burned and succumbed to his injuries. Now, Ahonamuchi's mother was a favorite of Kami Musubi, one of the three primordial deities. She begged and prayed to the all-powerful god to restore her beloved son. And so the god did, treating him with divine medicine and concoctions. His brothers, unfazed by the restoration of Ahonamuchi, tortured the poor boy to death once again. Having been revived again by his mother, she advised him to seek out his ancestor, Sosanowono, in the underworld to obtain wise counsel. As Ahonamuchi made his way to the underworld, he was spied by Sosanowono's daughter, Suseri Hime, who, upon laying her eyes on him, ran back to her father, claiming, Father! O oh, Divine Father, I see a handsome young deity in our abode. Sosonowono, sensing that his daughter might have fallen in love with Ahonamochi, did not like the thought of the young man visiting him in hell. Having been forced to welcome Ahonamochi to the underworld to keep his daughter happy, and seeing their love flourish, 
Sosanevana thought of ways to trick Ahonamuchi to death. One night, the god of Netherworld invited the young deity to sleep in the guesthouse that, unbeknownst to the youth, was filled with snakes. Sosanovano's daughter, Suseri Hime, however, had found out about her father's plans and gave the young god a scarf that eventually protected him from the snakes. When the snakes are about to bite thee, she had warned, drive them away by waving the scarf thrice. So he did, and thus he survived. Undeterred by the failed attempt, however, Sosanovano invited Ahonamoji the next evening to sleep in another guest room that, this time, was filled with centipedes and wasps. Again, just like the night before, Suserihime gifted him with scarves that successfully protected him. Now exasperated by his failures, Sosanovano tossed Ahonomoji to scour a field to find an arrow that he had deliberately misplaced. When, while searching, the young deity reached the middle of the meadow, Sosanovano put the entire field on fire. Stuck and finding nowhere to escape to, Ahonomochi ran from one corner to the other to save himself. It was then that a mouse appeared to the deity and said rather cryptically, The inside is hollow, the outside is narrow. Deliberating upon those words, he solved the riddle and found a narrow ditch where he hid himself as the fire burned past. Then the mouse brought to him the arrow that he was meant to retrieve. Sosanovano, meanwhile, confident of the success of his plans, broke the news to his daughter of her lover's accident. She, overcome with hysteria, ran to the fields, crying and wailing. Sosanovano calmly followed her to the field and stood straight, with hands on his waist, confident of his success. It was then that Ahonomoji came out of his hiding and presented the god of the netherworld with the arrow. Having thus failed thrice to murder Ahonomoji, Sosanovano was finally coming around to approve of the young god. One night, while the god of netherworld slept, Ahonomoji quietly tied his hair to the palace pillar and fled with Cesare Hime. The young deity also took Sosanovano's bows and arrows and swords with him. However, during their escape, the sword brushed against a tree, waking up Sosanovano. The god, startled, stood up in a hurry, breaking the pillar his hair was tied to, and thereby bringing down the whole palace. He then pursued the eloping deities with all his strength. It was at the gates of hell that Sosanovano caught up with the runaway deities. Then, 
at the pleading of his daughter, and he himself beginning to like the young god, Sosanovana said to Honomoji, With the sword and the bows and arrows that you have taken from me, pursue your brothers till they have nowhere to hide, and make them lie prostrate at your feet. Then you are to go to Izumo, the land of your ancestors, my land, and be the lord of the great plains. Build a palace there, and live in peace and happiness with my daughter, who you are to take as your wife. Love her, and be faithful to her for all eternity. Agreeing to Sosanawano's wishes, and earning his favour and blessings, Ahonomoji set out with his new bride, Suseri Hime, to find and slay his brothers. After having pursued and slayed all of his 80 brothers, he began his rule of Izumo, the land of his ancestors. Now Izumo was a wasteland with wild trees and shrubs growing everywhere, and the soil rocky and hard. But through hard work and patience, Ohonomoji toiled on the land, making it bountiful. Finally, he fulfilled his promise to Sosanawano and built a magnificent palace for himself and his wife. That's all for this episode. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a feedback and a rating if you liked the episode. Reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram by following the handle at stories tht mde us that's at stories tht mde us email us with questions and comments on the episodes at info.storiesthatmadeus at gmail.com finally help us grow the podcast by sharing it with your friends and family i will see you again next week as we conclude the Japanese story. Until then, goodbye.